ask you to turn in your Bibles now to Job chapter 7. I'm sorry, Job chapter 6. We'll read chapter 6 and 7 this morning. If you don't have a Bible of your own, our ushers have Bibles available. If you raise your hand, they'll bring one to you that you can use throughout our service this morning. Job, we'll be reading Job chapter 6 and Job chapter 7. Let's stand in respect to the reading of God's holy word. I want you to follow along with me and listen as I read. You remember from our series last week, we read chapter 4 and 5, and chapters 4 and 5 was Job's friend, his first friend, Eliphaz, of speaking to Job. And now in chapters 6 and 7, Job answers, um, he responds to Eliphaz's uh, comments. So let's start at chapter 6. Then Job answered and said, Oh, that my vexation were weighed. And all my calamity laid in the balances. But then it would be heavier than the sand of the sea. Therefore my words have been rash. For the arrows of the Almighty are in me. My spirit drinks their poison. The terrors of God are arrayed against me. Does the wild donkey bray when he has grass? Or the ox low, when his, when low over his fodder? Can that which is tasteless be eaten without salt? Or is there any taste in the juice of the mallow? My appetite refuses to touch them. They are as food that is loathsome to me. Oh, that I might have my request and that God will fulfill my hope, that it would please God to crush me, that he, that he would let loose his hand and cut me off. This would be my comfort. I would even exult in pain unsparing, for I have not denied the words of the Holy One. What is my strength that I should wait? And what is my end that I should be patient? Is my strength the strength of stones or is my flesh bronze? Have I any help in me when resource is driven from me? He who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. My brothers are treacherous as torrent bed, as torrential streams that pass away, which are dark with ice and where the snow hides itself. When they melt, they disappear. When it is hot, they vanish from their place. The caravans turn aside from their course. They go up into the waste and perish. The caravans of Timo look. The travelers of Sheba hope. They are ashamed because they, are, they were confident. They come there and are disappointed. For you have now become nothing. You see my calamity and are afraid. Have I said, make me a gift? Or, or from your wealth offer a bribe for me, or deliver me from the adversary's hand, or redeem me from the hand of the ruthless? Teach me, and I will be silent. Make me understand how I've gone astray, how forceful are upright words. But what does reproof from you reprove? Do you think you can reprove words when the speech of a despairing man is wind? You would even cast lots over the fatherless and bargain over your friend. But now, be pleased to look at me, for I will not lie to your face. Please turn. 
Let no injustice be done. Turn now. My vindication is at stake. Is there any injustice on my tongue? Cannot my palate discern the cause of calamity? Has not man a hard service on earth? And are not his days like the days of a hired hand, like a slave who longs for the shadow, and like a hired hand who looks for his wages? So I am allotted months of emptiness, and nights of misery are appointed to me. When I lie down, I say, when shall I arise? But the night is long. I am full of tossing till the dawn. My flesh is clothed with worms and dirt. My skin hardens, then breaks out afresh. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and come to their end without hope. Remember that my life is a breath. My eye will never again see good. The eye of him who sees me will behold me no more. While your eyes are on me, I shall be gone. As the cloud fades and vanishes, so he who goes down to Sheol does not come up. He returns no more to his house, nor does his place know him anymore. Therefore, I will not restrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Am I the sea or a sea monster that you set a guard over me? When I say, my bed will come for me, my couch will ease my complaint, then you scare me with dreams and terrify me with visions that I would choose strangling and death rather than my bones. I loathe my life. I would not live forever. Leave me alone, for my days are a breath. What is man that you make so much of him? And that you set your heart on him, visit him every morning, and test him every moment. How long will you not look away from me, nor leave me alone till I swallow my spit? If I sin, what do I do to you, you watcher of mankind? Why have you made me your mark? Why have I become a burden to you? Why do you not pardon my transgression and take away my iniquity? For now... I shall lie in the earth. You will seek me, but I shall not be. This passage is a portion of scripture. It's poetry. It's poetic expression of the grief of Job. Let's ask God to give us understanding as we preach through this this morning and see how we might apply this to our hearts and to our lives. Father, we thank you for your word today. We do pray that you'd open our eyes, give us understanding in your truth. Help us to take in your word. You have a purpose in it. Open our eyes so that we might see more clearly your purpose in your word, what it is you want us to see in it, what you want us to learn from it, and how it should pattern our lives, how we should leave this place in light of your truth and of your word. Open our eyes, Lord, to see. So we thank you for allowing us to be here today. We pray that you'll use your word as we have prayed. We pray for those who couldn't be here today. Some are struggling in health. I think of, of Sister Minnie, uh, who's not here again, and, and she's just uh, continued to battle with, with her uh, sickness. We pray, Lord, that you would watch over and bless her. We thank you. Uh, we think of my dad who's not here again, 
continue to battle with, with his health. We pray that you would just continue to watch over, bless, and uh, help him, Lord, and my mom, and, and, and as she cares for him. Lord, we, um, we, we pray for um, those who are here, and yet they have still struggled in health in some way. Um, so we just thank you um, for, for each one of them, Lord, and we just pray um, uh, for Sister Brenda, thanking you that she is here again today. We pray, Lord, that you just continue to watch over her. We pray for my wife, Donna, and that you would continue to, to be with and, and care for her. And Sister Lola Spears, thanking you, Lord, for these three who are here yet continue to, to meet the challenges. We pray that you would help them meet those challenges in, in their health and in their lives. We think of Michael here, Lord, and thanking you for him and uh, just the care that you've given him and pray that you continue to watch over him for his dad, Mac, for his care and continued care. Uh, we pray for Mickey today who's not here. We know how unusual it is for her not to be here. And so uh, she wanted to be here but not feeling well. So we pray that you watch over both her and, uh, and, and her husband, Willie. And so, Lord, um, watch over your people here. Um, allow us to be faithful even through our struggles and our challenges. And, and uh, uh, just, just hold us up in your strength, Lord, when we have none of our own. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. It's my purpose to preach through God's word in a way that gives us an understanding for the full of God's word. And I know that when you read through Job, we, we, we mainly concentrate on the first two chapters of Job and, and uh, the chapters from, you know, chapter three all the way to close to the end is full of this, this dialogue, this conversation between Job and his friends. And then at the end of that, near the end of that, God comes in and, and, and brings it all together and makes some comments. And so we're in that middle section, which is a challenging section because it begs the question, why? Why is this a part of God's word and, and what are we to get from it? So as we've read last week, uh, chapters four and five, this week, chapters six and seven, I'm sure you've asked that question. You should be ask, asking that question and you should be seeking the, the, the reason why. Um, so let's, let's walk through. Why would God want us to walk through a poetic expression like this. We've said before, and I've said this on Wednesday night when we come together for prayer, we're going through some of the Psalms, and we're saying the Psalms allow us to put into words our emotion and experience that we have as we walk through this Christian walk. It's not an easy walk. And it's a challenge, and we face these struggles, and we, sometimes we just don't know how to express the, the grief and the, the hardship and the suffering that we go through. But God has put it in his word so that his people can find their expression, their right expression in his word. Isn't that good? 
I'm not necessarily a poetic type person, um, but it's good to know that when I need to express things that are difficult for me to put into words, in some ways, God has already done that for me. And I can read through, I can think through, and in a Psalms case, I can sing through, I can pray through, and I can meditate through those thoughts and those things that are helpful for me as I face the experiences that are faced. Now, you and I have not faced the same thing that Job has faced, but right now or sometime in your life, you have faced some difficulty. You have been faced a difficulty that may even challenge your faith. If that's the case, you are like Job. And God has given Job's experience over to us so that we might be able to see, we might be able to experience, we might be able to put into words some of the things that we face in a way that we can endure and go through the challenge that God has for us. So let's take a look at some of these words. We'll start right in chapter 6. We're reminded that Job is answering his friend's statement. Do you remember his, friends, his friend Eliphaz made two points? In chapter 4, verse 7, he makes this point. Who that was innocent ever perished? That's what he said to Job. Who that was innocent ever perished? Now, that's a loaded statement, right? He's saying to Job, don't be so slick, man. Um, you perishing, but I ain't never seen somebody who was innocent Perish like you perish. That's what he told Job. The second point he made, and it's a very strong point as well, verse 17, can mortal man be in the right before God? Can mortal man be in the right before God? That's an easy answer. <laughs> no. <laughs> so he's basically saying to Job, who do you think you are? You better than everybody else? I think you're hiding something, Job, is what he's getting to. We'll see as we go on. So Job answers him, and let's look how he answers him. His, his main answer is this. My complaint is just. That's kind of what's the, the, the heading of, of, of chapter 6 in my Bible. It's a good heading. My complaint is just. What Job is saying is, I have right reason to bring a complaint because there's something wrong going on here. And he's saying, I don't get it. I don't understand. And he's going to answer, I am not suffering because of my own wrong. I have a right cause to complain. Now, that in itself is, is a different statement, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I'm the kind of person, don't complain to me. Complaint compartment is like 20 miles down that direction. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> but Job says, no, I have a right. I have a right to complain. Let's hear his right. His first thing is in verse 2 that his suffering is great. His suffering is great. Oh, that my vexation were weighed and all my calamity laid in the balances, for then it will be heavier than the sand of the sea. 
you don't actually have to go to the sea and, 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 and pick up sand and realize how heavy it is. Just, just uh, you know, just a week ago when we had that snowstorm, I was shoveling snow and my snowblower went out. And uh, so I had to shovel my, you know, you know, I live on a corner block that also has a driveway. So, you know, that, that, that's a bit. And then I, I, I help out my parents as well, and they have even longer driveway. Um, but, you know, you, you realize how heavy it is. Job is saying, look, my, my burden, my suffering, my calamity, if you took it and weighed it, man, it's heavy. It's heavy. He says, that's why my words, in verse 3, therefore my words have been rash. He's he's saying, it may sound like like I'm overstepping my bounds a little bit, but what I'm going through is real. Basically, Job is saying, I'm not just blowing smoke. I'm not just giving an empty saying here. There's a lot of stuff going on in my life. That's what Job is saying. He begins to express himself. Verse 5, he says, does the wild donkey bray when he has grass? <laughs> I like to say. He said, man, I wouldn't be saying nothing if I wasn't going through something. Would I be complaining if I wasn't really hurt? You know me, he's saying. I like people like that, you know. There's some people, you know, you ask them how they do. Oh, my fingernail cracked. <laughs> you know, as soon as you ask them, it, it's something. Other people, you really have to dig to get it out of them. Job is basically saying, I don't normally complain. And this is really something that I'm going through. And we know it's something because we read it. And and just as we read it, it's just kind of like, wow. So that's what he's saying in verse 5. He says, this stuff I, 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 I have, he says, it's hard to take. It's hard to swallow. Verse 6, what he says, can that which is tasteless be eaten without salt? (laughs) You don't have to eat what I got to eat, he's saying. It don't taste good. It's rough. It's tough. What I'm going through is is really tough is what he's saying. As I said, I'm not a poetic person, and so I'm glad the word of God comes to put into poetry the sense of what's going on. And he uses these poetic expressions just to try to paint the picture for us. And it also is helpful for him, isn't it? Those of you who write poetry, we just heard a song that was written by our very own. There's a skill to express oneself, and and they like doing that because it's a relief for them. It's a way to, to get your words out and to deal with your emotion in a proper way, and that's what Job is doing. As we mentioned last time, we said, hey, that's that's a good way for us to to rightly express. And God has given us a pattern right in his word. God doesn't deny that Job is suffering and he's under immense suffering. And Job is expressing that to his friend. He said, my suffering is great. It's so great. Verse 8, I wish I could die. I wish I could die. Look at the burden. Oh, that I might have my request. What's his request? We see it in the end of chapter 7, but his basic request is, God, let me die. Why are you holding on to me? Why am I suffering so much? I would rather, I'm suffering so much, I would rather it just come to an end. That's what Job is saying. How great 
is his grief. Verse 8. Oh, that I might have my request and that God will fulfill my hope. That it will please God, what? To crush me. Take me out of my misery, he's saying, God. That, it, that he would lose his hand and cut me off. This would be my comfort. I would even exalt in, in pain, unsparing. For well, I've not denied the words of the Holy One. I said, if it's possible, man, I, pain, I can take it, but I just want it to end. I want it all to go away. And he makes this comment, I'm, I haven't done anything wrong. He's right. He's right. He's expressing that sorrow. He says in verse 11, what is my strength that I should wait? And what is my end that I should be patient? Is my strength the strength of stones? Is my flesh bronze? Have I have any have I any help in me when resources driven from me? I remember thinking this myself when um, the days I, I would just work out every day and I would try to keep myself in the best of shape. And then I thought, what am I doing that for? <laughs> just to show you how my mind works. I'm thinking, I'm going to get old one day and I'm going to be so healthy and so strong that I ain't going to die. And that would just be miserable. <laughs> to be up ready to die. You, you know, who wants to be 150 years old when all your friends, all your family, even your grandkids and their kids die and you still struggling on? You'd be like, God, I didn't want to be this healthy. Just let me die. <laughs> That's kind of our sense Job is saying, you know, why am I so strong enough just to keep myself alive? That's the worst thing that can happen to me right now is that I keep on going. I wake up in the morning. Oh, you watch the movie Groundhog Day, right? I know it's old for some of us. But he wakes up in the morning. It's like, oh, another day. Man, I wish I didn't have to wake up. That's what Job was feeling like. That's why some people depressed stay in bed all day. It's like, I don't want to give up, get up. There's nothing to look forward to. Job is saying, I wish the, I wish the alarm didn't go off today. Man. He said, I'm just, I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm rid of it. God, give me my request. Don't give me no more strength. I don't want strength to endure. I want it over. You can see how we relate to that, don't you? Job felt human like we do. He struggles with the issues of life like we do. And he's saying there's a time, and that time is right now, that I wish I could all end. Disclaimer, remember we talked about suicide. That's not what Job is doing. Job never once said, I'm going to take my own life. He says, it's just so bad, I wish it would end. Anyway, I wish it would end. And we can relate to that. He says, I would die. In verses 14 through 23, I've summed it up this way. He says, I receive no comfort. I ain't get nothing. I think he's pointing that to his friends. He says, he who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. He says, I want y'all to keep that in mind as y'all keep coming to me. Those who withhold kindness, and I'm supposed to be your friend, 
Are you really doing God's work? That's what Job is saying. He, and he mentions his brothers. My brothers are treacherous as a torrent bed, as torrential streams that pass away. You know, again, it's poetic expression, and we kind of struggle to see exactly what he means. But I get this thought that um, he's talking about his friends, and he's saying they should really be help, and they should be a comfort, but they're not much comfort. When, when he talks about a torrent, uh, uh, um, a treacherous as a torrent bed, uh, you know, a river that comes along should provide the water and the resource that's needed. But if the river flows too fast, it just, it's like a flood that just tears everything away. And he feels like that these friends should be providing comfort, but instead they, they just washing me away. They just flooding me out. They're not really a help to me. He goes through on. He says, which are like, verse 16, which are dark with ice and where the snow hides itself when they melt, they disappear. When it's hot, they vanish from their place. It's, he's saying it's, it's kind of like the snow as it comes down from the mountain into a desert area. It's supposed to be soothing. It's supposed to be something that, that, that provides refresh, refreshment. But what happens is it comes down into a hot area, and it just it melts, and it evaporates. So it does absolutely no good. He even goes on to the point uh, where, where he says, uh, uh, verse 17, they melt, they disappear. Verses 18 through 19 kind of give the, the thought of, we talk about caravans. I picture uh, uh, um, those who, who, who live in that nomadic experience in the deserts, and, 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 and you, know, you, you can picture that caravan of donkeys or, or, car or camels or whatever, and they, they're... It's dry, it's hot, there's no water there. They're looking for resources. That's, that's kind of Job, and he's coming to his friends. Caravans turn aside from their course. They go into the waste and perish. This water that should be providing something just ends up getting wasted away. Verse, nine, verse 20, the end of verse 20, they come there and are disappointed. Others come looking for comfort, and there's none to be had. That's how Job feels from his friends. They don't really provide what, need, what he needs. Or he's, put it this way, he's not feeling it, right? I'm not feeling it, man. Y'all supposed to be helping me. I'm not feeling it. Verse 21 through 23. For now, for you have now become nothing, he says to his friends. You see my calamity and are afraid says to his friends, you, you're supposed to be coming here to help, but you're not much help. Have I said, make me a gift? He, he basically said, have I really asked y'all for anything ever? Did I, did I, do I need your money now? No, I, I don't need that. I'm not asking for that. But you've become nothing. Did I ask for your help? Did I expect your help? He says, here's what I need you to do. Verse 24, teach me and I will be silent. Make me understand how I've gone astray. Jo Job is saying, make some sense out of this for me. Explain this to me. That's what he's asking his friends to do. We can relate to that, can't we? There's times in our life when things are going on and we just can't figure it out. 
In fact, sometimes, you know, that, that's when we, 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 we get out of touch. We, we stop going to church. We, we're not encouraged anymore. We want somebody to explain what's going on. And you know what? We have some stuff that needs explaining. Job is saying, why am I being treated like this? And his friends aren't given an adequate answer. You know why? Because they don't know. They don't know. Now they can guess. It's kind of like when folks get together, right? They want to explain how the world works. Everybody got their comment. Everybody got something to say. And they are so eloquent in their speech, it means nothing. If you're suffering at that time, you really don't want to hear all that. It's like you close the door to your bedroom. Just let me lay in my bed. Leave me alone. That's how Job is. That's how Job is. He says, what I need you to do is teach me. I'll listen. Help me understand what's going on. Verse 25, how forceful are upright words. But what does reproof from you reprove? Do you think you can reprove words when the speech of a despairing man is when? It says, can you really speak to my situation? Can you help make sense out of what's going on? They can't or they struggle to do that. Verse 28, but now be pleased to look at me, for I will not lie to your face. Please turn. Let no injustice be done. Turn now. My vindication is at stake. And he asked that all-important question in verse 30. Is there any injustice on my tongue? He's saying, be a friend. Examine my cause. Look at my situation. And help me understand what's going on. That's really what we go to friends for, right? We, we want them to, to kind of put themselves in our situation and feel as we feel. Not just to condemn us, but, but if, if, if you have a good friend, he'll tell you the truth. And you say, I'll listen if you explain. If you will set me down and tell me what's going on and, and I can explain and I can understand that, I'll say, yeah, you know what, you're right. And what I did there was wrong and I need to correct that. Job was saying, if you, if you deal with me that way, I'll listen. But you haven't said anything that made sense yet. They don't know Job's situation, and because of that, they can't be of very much help to him. And so Job goes on. Let's look at chapter 7 now. He continues his speech. Verses 1 through 10, I've entitled this, coming from the mouth of Job, Life is Tough. Life is tough. You can say amen to that, can't you? <laughs> How many of you know life is tough? <laughs> you know it. <laughs> You're living in it. That doesn't mean that you have to be experiencing the worst of the worst of the worst. But you know that it ain't easy. Job begins to explain it. He says, has not man a hard service on earth? Are not his days like the days of a hired hand? I like that. His, you know, that, you feel that when you come home from work, right? Are not his days like the days of a hired hand? He come home, he tired, right? Just tired. He's like, man, well, I got to work like a dog, right? I work all day. Folks at work don't appreciate me. I'm doing all they stuff that they supposed to. Y'all know what you feel like, right? You just come home dog tired. 
He says, life feels like that sometimes. In fact, it feels like that a lot of times. Job said, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Verse 2, like a slave who longs for the shadow. <laughs> he said, I, I work like a dog and I just wish I could find some shade is what he's saying. It's like I'm working on a hot summer. Do you ever see the, the, the construction crews? A lot of times, you know, we got the jackhammer, so the jackhammer doing all the work. But, you know, when you got to work hard, physical work, and it's hot outside, and it's like, man, I just wish I could find some shade. I wish I could have a little bit of a break. That's what Job is saying. It's tough. It's tough. Like a hired hand who looks for his wages. Y'all know what that feel like. You know how people, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm using that sense of, of, of most people that like, get paid on Friday. And so on Monday, it's rough. It's tough. People come in work and you can just see written all over their face. They don't want to be there. But let's see the same face Friday morning. It's, it's a little better, right? It's a little peppier then. It's like, hey, they speak to you. They say good morning. Like, what? He said good morning to me? I didn't even know he knew my name. But Friday, so he worked like a hired man looking for his paycheck. He's like, yeah, it's coming. I got some hope. So Job, Job knows how, how that feels. And then he says, look at verse 3. So I'm allotted months of emptiness. He's going to talk about days. He talks about months. He talks about night. He talks about spending his time and what it feels like. I'm allotted months of emptiness. I don't know how long this stage of Job's life went on. The Bible doesn't give us a time frame. Remember, phase one was, was when he had all his possessions uh, uh, destroyed. That was, that was tough enough. And then phase two came in, and, 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 and God said to Satan, you can touch his body, but you just can't kill him. And, and that's when he had sores all over. I don't know how long that went on, but he expresses this this way. Days, months, of emptiness. Nights of misery are appointed to me. I do, I, I use uh, uh, my phone as my calendar, and so I pull up my calendar, and I mark down different appointments that he had, that I have, and I can imagine Job looking at his calendar, going, oh man, look what God done put on my calendar. <laughs> you know, that's phase one starting. He said, he says, Allotted months, nights of misery are appointed to me. Verse 4, when I lie down, I say, when shall I rise? This is like <clears throat> he works like a hired man who, who can't wait to get some rest. And then when it's time to lay down, he can't get no sleep. Wake up in the middle of the night, you know. You think it's, your, your alarm goes off at 6 o'clock in the morning. You think it's got to be 545, right? Close to it, you look at the clock, it's like 12.30. <laughs> Next time you look at it, it's 5.45, but you ain't got a bit of rest since. That's how Job feels. It's just misery. When I lie down, I say, when do I rise? Here's the thought. This is kind of underlined. In the middle of verse 4, but the night is long. 
That's how Job feels. But the night is long. He's saying, man, the days are long, but the nights seem even longer. I worked like a slave looking for just a, just a little bit of shade. And then I come home to rest, and I can't even rest. The night tends to go on forever. That's how he feels. He's expressing his grief. Let me go on. It's long, but it's full of tossing, he says, full of tossing till the dawn. Doesn't seem to get any rest or refreshment from his sleep. Verse 5, my flesh is clothed with worms and dirt. We, we talked about that in, in the beginning where, where, where Satan afflicted him. And it says his skin, you know, sores and disease. We can only imagine. I don't even want to try to imagine, really. But Job went through awful health issues. It wasn't pleasant to look at, and it didn't feel good. He says, man, a sore breaks out, then it clears up, then a whole other one breaks out again. That, that's what he means when he says that my skin hardens, then breaks out afresh. It's like the, the sore that was there, you know, heals over a little bit, but boom, something else happens. I, there's no medicine I can take. The doctors ain't telling me nothing. Everything that I do doesn't give me, do me any good. I'm just in this mess. He just continues on that thought. I like to skip to verse 11. I think in verse, the verses 1 through 10, he's, he's speaking in front of his friend just in general about his life and his health. But in verse 11, I sense a change there. It, it's his tone changed, and he, he now, he is speaking to God. From verse 11 through 21, he's, he's addressing this to God. First thing he says, therefore, <clears throat> I will not restrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. He has spoken to his friend and he says, look, you may not want to hear it, but I, I'm, I'm going to speak now. And he raises his attention not just in a, in a horizontal uh, gaze, but in a vertical gaze to God. He says, God, I'm going to speak now because I have a complaint. Verse 12, am I the sea or sea monster that you set a guard over me? He says, are you restraining me? Are you trying to hold me back when you set a guard over the sea? You know, God is saying, hey, the sea Here's the sea, here's the shore. Don't go no further than this. <laughs> I'm glad God does that. <laughs> it keeps the water where the water's supposed to be, and the dry land will keep on dry. And he's saying, am I like that, God? Am I that fearful that you won't let me, you restricting me? You restraining me from going any further? But I got something to say, God. I want to say something. And so he goes on. Verse 13, I try to get relief in my sleep. Look how it says, when I say my bed will comfort me, my couch will ease my complaint. We do that, don't we? I notice with myself, 
when I'm dealing with stuff, I tend to try to plop myself in front of TV, and guess what? I'm eating something. That's why I gain weight when I shouldn't be gaining weight. You might do some of the same things. You might be a little different, but, but, but we, we, we try to get some comfort out of something, right? We're trying to deal with the, the challenges that we deal with, and what we end up dealing with them in the wrong way and compounding my trouble, you know. Now, not only do I have the issue that I'm dealing with, now I'm out of shape. Now I got to get back. I got to diet. Now I got to exercise. Now all the gain that I had, I lost. And now I'm discouraged and depressed about that. Look myself in the mirror. My pants don't fit no more. I'm like, ah, right? But that one I brought on myself. <laughs> so Job feels kind of like that. And, and he says this. When I say my bed will comfort me, my couch will ease my complaints, then you scare me with dreams. No, brother, them ain't dreams. Them nightmares. He said, he's talking to God. He said, look, I try to relax just for a moment. I try to get some rest, and I close my eyes, and I'm terrified. It's not, I can't go anywhere to get away from the turmoil that I'm facing. And he's speaking to God, and he's saying, this is coming from you. And it is. You scare me with dreams and terrify me with visions so that I should choose strangling and death rather than my bones. He says, I try to get some peace and try to get some comfort and, and I'm terrified in my dreams and, and I, I just wish I could die. He says that again. How many times does Job say that? I just want to die, verse 15 through 16. I loathe my life. I would not live forever. Footnote to that. It's not life here on earth that you want to live forever in. Too often we think if I could just make my life a little bit better, a little bit more pleasant, what would do that? A little bit more money, a little bit more peace, if I could get those two, I'll be okay. God constantly reminds us, no, mm -mm. this world ain't made for you to live forever on. I got a better place for you. So don't set up your mansion here because this ain't where it's going to happen. God says in a very gracious way, I got heaven for you. Not here. Not here. Don't put all your hope here. you just be disappointed. Now, does that mean we shouldn't look for good things and, and thank God for good things? Yes, but it's not our ultimate hope. If this is our ultimate hope, we're in trouble. That's where the world is. Just a footnote there. He says, I loathe my life. I would not live forever. Leave me alone. <laughs> wow. Job said that. What he's saying, he's saying, God, if you would just stop giving me strength to live, maybe I could die. Job knows that God is sovereign. Job knows that God is in control. Job does not take steps in his own hand, but he laments the fact that he's still living and he still has to deal with this mess. Leave me alone. I just want to die. Verse 17 through 20, why am I getting all this attention? He's saying, what is man that you make so much of him? Wow. 
That's almost like Job. He didn't see the meeting in heaven, but he's, he's imagining. He's like, God, really? You met and had a meeting in heaven with Satan over me? He, he's almost like feeling that. Why all this attention to me? I don't get it. I don't want it. I wish it was somebody else. You set your heart on him, he says. Verse, end of verse 17. What is man that you make so much of him that you set your heart on him? Visit him every morning. Test him every moment. Job felt like that. God, stop visiting me. Don't come tomorrow. Let me die, is what he's saying. Don't show up tomorrow. Maybe I won't be around. Why? Why am I giving all this attention? How long will you not look away from me? <laughs> he's like, God, stop barely blessing me, right? <laughs> I'm going through all this, but I still live, and I wish that if I have to go through all this, at least I wouldn't live. I'd have some relief. So it begs the question, doesn't it? Job's experience is real. Job seems to be saying this, and, and we relate to it because we say it too. We say, I quit. I quit. I quit. I didn't sign up for this. During the summer, I worked delivering for uh, FedEx delivery and um, uh, all the way up until the, the end of the year where um, we went into the peak season. You, know, you can imagine how that is around Christmas time. So around Christmas time, um, there would be so much to put on my truck, I couldn't even fit it all in the truck. And uh, you would just pile it in everywhere. Any orifice, any, any, you could stick a box in, you stuck it in there. And then, and then when you got to your first delivery, you opened the gate and just like, shh, shh. I hope no customers see that. But um, I got uh, to make something of this mess I got to deliver. And it, it was so tough. There, there was people who would come in the morning and they see they load. And they, they literally, I quit, man. I quit. I'm done. You told me tomorrow that this would be better. It ain't better. It's worse. I'm done. I'm out of here. And they said, you know, I didn't sign up for this. I always took the attitude, look, this is what I got to deal with. Let's make the best of the day. But this is saying, I can't take it no more. I'm done. I'm out of here. I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> this is the reason why the doctrine of the sovereignty of God has been such a, a message and a resource and a blessing to me. And the reason is, how do you deal with suffering in your life? And that's what Job is dealing with. Job, just like many of us, get to the point where we say, I quit. I didn't sign up for this. And we walk into our relationship with God like this, saying, God, you didn't tell me that it was going to be like this. 
it's like the story of my life. I'm thinking, Lord, I'm a young man. I'm, 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 I'm fit. I'm ready to go into the ministry. And, and, and you are just going to open up doors and gates from heaven. And, 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 and this ministry is just going to flourish in ways I never thought of. And then I get in and I go, Lord, <sighs> you ain't tell me it's going to be like this. You didn't tell me all that was going to happen. And that's how Job is going through. He's saying, I didn't sign up for this. God is saying, no, you didn't. But I signed you up. I signed you up. You didn't sign up for it because you never would. I signed you up. Look, you didn't choose God. God chose you. And he chose to save you with all the benefits and glory and blessing that goes with that salvation and that redemption and all the suffering and hardship that goes along with it. You didn't sign up for it. God signed you up. Suffering is so misunderstood. The theme of suffering is not one of those things, it's not like a parenthesis in the storyline of the Bible. What we do is we go, you know, remember when we went, walked through the, uh, uh, the book of Esther? He says, hey, <clears throat> once upon a time in a land far away, there lived, and we see that situation, and, and, and we see this, there lived a little girl. And she was without mommy and daddy, but her uncle raised her, and they were a happy little family. And she was the most beautiful girl, the fairest of all the land. And she became queen. And she ruled her kingdom with grace. She found favor with the king. She became queen. And they lived happily ever after. That ain't how Esther goes. But that's how we like to read it. And when we get a little trouble, we deal with it like it's just this parenthesis. Like, uh, uh, well, there was this guy named Haman. Dun, 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 right? Haman. <laughs> and he was an evil man. But that's just a parenthesis. You know, just kind of stick that to the side because that's getting in the way of us telling a good story. That's how we deal with suffering in our lives. Like it's just a parenthesis, and it's not really part of God's plan. It's just this stuff that we can't get away from. And like just stick it to the side and let's hurry up and get through the rest of the story so we can say, and they live happily ever after. That's why we misunderstand suffering. We think it's not a part of God's plan. It's not a part of his way. And so we, we, we just kind of like stick it somewhere else and hope to explain it one, one of these days. We just don't understand it. But we need to know that it is an integral part of God's whole plan. Yes, suffering is part of God's plan. You have to wonder, why in the world does God, in his word, reveal to us he, 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 whole books of the Bible that talk about this thing of suffering? Ecclesiastes, for one. Ecclesiastes verse basically summarizes and says this, the world ain't fair, and it ain't going to treat you right. 
but trust God and obey him. I just summarized all Ecclesiastes, all 12 chapters of Ecclesiastes. You can read it and read through it and you see it says basically that. Psalms. Psalms says here, here is the song book that you might need to sing. You might not want to turn to this hymn, but you're going to, you, at some point in your life you're going to get to it. And it's going to help you sing some of those songs. I used to sing those, I used to make up songs when, when the kids were at home. I got work to do. Ah, and I said to be working hard and, and doing my thing. And, 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 and what it's saying is, Psalm says, when you got hard stuff to go through, here's some words, here's a song you can sing along with. Why does God give us all of that? Whole characters in the Bible that deal with this theme of suffering. Starting, I mentioned last week with the with the first man who was killed, righteous man Abel. So God doesn't treat suffering as like a parenthesis or something that that's just an asterisk in in, in a story that we just kind of push aside because we don't get it. It's a part of God's plan, and it's definitely a part of our lives. That doesn't mean all your life is going to be suffering, so don't get discouraged about it. But you do need to know this, that God signed you up for it. And what he does sign you up for, he gives you the strength to endure. In fact, that's part of Job's complaint. God, I don't want the strength. I don't want it. Let me out of it. But God is saying, no, I give you the strength to endure. God is gracious to us by giving us Job as an example. I doubt that any of our lives would ever match Job's life in terms of the amount of suffering that he dealt with and the way that he dealt with that suffering. You know, maybe, maybe you will be the, the, the Job too, I don't know. I know I haven't been and I haven't experienced anything like what Job experienced, and yet I've had my hardships in life, and you have too. But you ask, what is God doing in these things? in the New Testament, 1 Peter is dealing with the theme of suffering and God's suffering people. The book of James, Heidi's going through in a beautiful lesson with our ladies. It deals with the theme of suffering and trials and God's people dealing with this. Characters in the Bible, I mentioned Abel. In Genesis, Joseph, remember the Joseph of, of Genesis and, and the suffering? He, his own brothers sold him into slavery. Why? Because they were jealous of him, because his father favored him. It wasn't his fault. Well, he did some things that weren't wise, but it wasn't his fault that his brothers hated and wanted to kill him and ended up selling him as a slave, and God used that to bring him to be second to the king to do his purpose. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet because suffering is a part of God's people. It's a part of his men, Jeremiah. So Daniel dealt with suffering. He's one who's taken at a young age out of his home, out of his land, carried far, far away. It's not a good experience. It's not a fun experience. He suffered greatly in that. In the New Testament, John the Baptist Jesus says one of the greatest men who ever lived. How did he live? He lived a very powerful life, but how did he die at the hands of a wicked, evil king? The same man who says you can't have that woman as your wife. That's a sin against God. He said, well, I'll, I'll take care of you. 
In fact, she said that. I'll take care of John the Baptist. I'll kill him. And she did. Key men, key characters throughout the word of God have suffered in the book of Acts. Stephen, we see how he suffered at the hands of an angry mob simply because he preached the gospel to them. And they killed him. In the book of Acts in chapter 12, we see James, one of the apostles, the brother of John, who was killed by Herod, who suffered. He went on to take Peter, but God delivered Peter. And so you ask, why did God deliver Peter and not James? And last but certainly not least, Jesus himself. So this theme of suffering is not just something that, you know, uh, we'll talk about that later and maybe we'll figure it out. It is a prominent part of God's plan so that his own son suffered for our cause. He suffered so that we would not have to suffer. I've mentioned before, Job is a type of Jesus. He's a type of Christ. He's one who did not suffer for his own wrong directly. Now, I'm sure you can look and you can dissect and you can find some wrong in Job, but that's not the issue that's really at stake here. God himself said to, to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, who's an upright man, a godly man who loves me and serves me? That's what God said about Job. And yet God allowed him to go through this suffering. You and I can't say I quit. I didn't sign up for this. You know why? God signed you up for it. And you might not be signed up for the same thing I'm signed up for. God is sovereign and he does as he pleases with who he pleases. He has a different purpose perhaps for you in your life than he has for me or, or, or he brings his purpose out differently in your life than he does in mine. We won't all go through the same thing or, or experience all things to the same degree. But God has, has directed and appointed our days for a time of suffering so that we would rely on him, trust him, acknowledge him, and serve him and pass the test. And pass the test. Our prayers for you and I is to glorify God by being faithful through our suffering. Job sets the pattern for us that you can, in this faithfulness, find expression and speak to God. Do you notice how Job started talking to his friends and, and he ended up talking to God? You and I need to do that too. We can talk to friends all we want, but there's a point where we need to, we need to sit down and talk to God. Job is acknowledging that God is in control of his life. Even when he says, God, why are you letting me, why won't you let me go? Why won't you leave me alone? He's acknowledging, God, you are the one in control. You are the one that measures out everything that I'm experiencing. He acknowledges that. I think we can start with that, that sovereignty, that expression that I understand that God is in control. I don't know what he's doing 
or why he's doing it, but I understand that he's in control. And I yield myself to his control. One of the greatest things that Job said as we go on is he says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And that's why I call him a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, because that's what Jesus said. In Matthew, 26, Matthew 27, we see him saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Expressing that, that, that question of as, why am I be tr being treated like this? What we should know is that when we are suffering, we are most like the Lord Jesus. And God is measuring out and bringing us through. Trust in him that God is good. Trust that the suffering won't last forever. The nights do seem long. God has a purpose in it. But that's this part of this life. And that, you know, uh, Romans 8 talks about that our suffering seems to be grievous now. But there's coming a time when it will seem like nothing to us. Look forward to that time when God fulfills his redemption for his suffering people. I was mentioning some of the books that deal with suffering and I need to mention Revelation as well. And the story of Revelation is that hold on, endure, because your redemption is coming. That's what God is telling us. Hold on, endure. Whatever purpose God has said, there's some things you're going to go through here. But what I want you to do is trust me in it and trust me through it. Your redemption is coming. That comes because we've trusted Christ as our Lord and Savior. And he is the pattern. He is the picture for those of us who suffer. We suffer for the cause of Christ. We suffer at, like Christ suffered in a way. And our hope is in Christ. Hold on, your redemption is coming. Father, we thank you for your word today. We pray that you would help us, give us wisdom in our expression of grief in our suffering so that we might, even in that, give honor to you and please you. Give us help in our wisdom dealing with others who suffer so that we might not give them false hope, but that we might give them real comfort that comes from you. That our redemption is drawing nigh. Help us to be encouraging to others as we go through hardships, that they can see us being faithful and serving you as we see Job. And be an encouragement to others, like Christ was an encouragement to us. He set the pattern for us. Most of all, Lord, that we know that we endure this, trust, this, this suffering by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, putting our lives in his hand, walking in obedience to him, not forsaking his way or the path that he has set for us. Bring comfort, Lord, to those who are suffering right now. Help them to receive that comfort from godly friends around them by the encouragement that comes from your word by working through the emotions that they feel by reading your word crying out your word praying out your word singing out your word 
One of the things that you say in the Revelation is, even so, Lord Jesus, come. Come quickly. We're looking for our redemption. May our hope be in Jesus and him alone. In his name we pray. Amen.